Hey friends, how are you guys doing? This is Heidi St. John and you have found me at my little corner of the internet. Today is Wednesday, September the 22nd. And today I'm going to give you some encouragement. You know, Wednesday, we sort of make it through uh, halfway through the week and uh, and I know a lot of you guys are still struggling, but I've got some encouragement for you today from the Word of God and a little bit of help from author Kay Smith. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Hi, I'm Heidi St. John. You probably know my name because I've been working hard for the people of Washington State for the past 17 years. Now I'm running for Congress in Washington's 3rd Congressional District, and I need your help. I'm running against several big-money Republican opponents in the primary, and I am determined to prove that a grassroots campaign financed by working men and women can still compete with super PACs and mega donors. To make a difference, please visit Heidi St. John for Congress. So I'm glad you guys are here today. Thank you so much for taking just a little bit of your time and spending it with me. I hope that these podcasts encourage you. I hope they give you good ideas and kind of help you uh, navigate really what is happening in the culture right now, because you've got people in your life that need you to be able to to help them make sense of what's going on around you. Last week, I was talking a little bit about um, suffering and what is the purpose in suffering. And I know a lot of you are still like, what in the world's going on? So I'm going to address that a little bit today uh, from from the perspective of something that I read in a book that Kay Smith authored called Reflecting God. I'll link back to it in the show notes today. But before I get into that and a little bit of the headlines, I want to let you guys know that I am coming to Oklahoma. So if you are in Oklahoma, anywhere near Mustang or Tulsa or Enid, um, outside of uh, Oklahoma City, I am coming and I am bringing my off the bench uh, message, how you can get your family onto the front lines in the battle for faith, family, and freedom. And I know a lot of you are looking around and you're going, listen, I see the threat, but I don't know what to do. If this is you, you're not alone. I think a lot of people today see the problems that we're dealing with, but they're not sure how they can make a difference in the battle or how even to prepare their kids for the cultural war that they face uh, today, that they're actually facing right now. So you guys can join me. I'm going to be teaching five ways that you can get off the sidelines and onto the front lines and walk out your faith, learn to engage and encourage others while you do it. October 1st, I'll be in Mustang, Oklahoma. October 2nd, I'll be in Tulsa. October 3rd, I will be in Enid. So come on out, bring your friends. Uh, These are going to be incredible opportunities for you to uh, be encouraged. I have been partnering with my dear friend, Andrew Pudawa, to bring these to you. And I know you guys are going to be encouraged. So check it out. That's happening October 1st. October 2nd and October 3rd. Again, that's Mustang, Oklahoma, Tulsa, and Enid. I cannot wait to see you guys. Uh, I was reading the other day. So I spoke at a women's event in um, Vancouver not too long ago and wanted to let you know that God's people are at work. And I'm watching, really um, excited to watch, I should say, People who are engaging in the culture, who are not afraid, who are standing up and saying, now is the time. And I've been saying this for a long time. If we don't step up right now, now is the time. Now is the time to stand for freedom. Now is the time to say, hey, listen, I'm not going to be you know, jerked around by a narrative that continues to change. You guys saw what happened at the Emmys the other day. The people that are in charge of this country right now, in many cases, people that are leading 
um, large organizations even, uh, they they have one set of rules for the common people and another set of rules for themselves. And I'm noticing that people are starting to get bitter and angry. And I totally get it. And a friend of mine, um, Talia Henry, actually gave me a book I've been sort of going through in the evenings, just trying to turn off my phone, which I would just encourage you guys to do that. All right. It's so easy, I think, to, you know, to have to be uh, putting your phone, you know, putting your phone uh, next to your bed instead of reading something that could be encouraging to you. But I'm going to encourage you the way that she encouraged me. So this came from Kay Smith's book. You guys might remember that Kay Smith's husband, Chuck, was the founder of Calvary Chapel in Southern California. But I really like this. She called it bitter or better. And I'll link back to it in the show notes today. Years ago, I visited an encounter group in a psychiatric hospital. What I saw there shocked me. The people were filled with bitterness, hatred, anger, and unforgiveness. Their attitudes were actually the reason why they were in that mental hospital. Do you guys feel that way? You feel like your attitude could put you in a mental hospital right now? Don't answer that. I'll just let you guys chew on it. Uh, They were not physically ill. They were emotionally ill. What was so interesting is that these people were very rational about everything right up to the point where they started talking about one particular person or situation, and then they would just go bananas. One woman I spoke with had just been brought into the facility the day before. She told me she was a Christian. I asked her why she was there, and she began to tell me her story. My husband left me for another woman, she said. He married her, and now they're traipsing through Europe, and I'm left with no money, not even enough to feed my children or myself. I just can't. I can't. And she couldn't finish her sentence. Bitterness swept over her face. Without question, her husband had done a rotten thing, but what struck me was that while he was off enjoying himself, she was sitting in a mental hospital, all because she had allowed him to devastate her life. I say allowed because she alone permitted the attitude of bitterness to creep in and take over her emotional state. She let that happen. I have known the Lord long enough to know with certainty that if this woman had turned her bitter feelings over to the Lord and trusted him, he would have brought forth miracles for her. He would have delivered her out of the bondage of bitterness and provided for her children. The people I met in that mental hospital have been dealt a tough load, but a lot of them didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the strength and comfort that God can give, that he's ready to give. We need to fill ourselves with God's promises in his word so that when hard times come, we're prepared. We want our attitude in trials to reflect the peace we have through Jesus. I thought that was so good. The Amplified Bible in James says, consider it holy joy, my brethren, whenever you are enveloped or encounter trials of any sort or fall into temptation. Be assured and understand that the trial and proving of your faith will bring out endurance and steadfastness and patience. But let endurance and steadfastness and patience have full play and do a thorough work so that you may be the people who are perfectly and fully developed with no defects, lacking in nothing. I think a lot of us are struggling with just the day-to-day reality of continued insanity that we see in the news. And I'm, I know because I'm wrestling with this in my own life, it's easy to get frustrated and bitter and that bitterness kind of comes in and pretty soon we can't think straight anymore. And we're making decisions that are based on emotions and not even on what God's asked us to do. The Lord did not promise us that we would not have trials. And in fact, the opposite is true. Jesus said in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So I guess the question I want to put out for you guys today on a Wednesday is, are you living like that? Am I living like that? Are we living like Jesus meant it when he said, take heart, I have overcome the world. You notice he didn't say you will overcome the world. 
He said he would do it. And I think sometimes we, you know, we take so much on ourselves and, and when it starts to feel overwhelming, we can become despondent. We start turning to other things to sort of ease whatever the struggle is that we're encountering. And at the end of the day, it's really hurting us. So I just want to encourage you guys back to the Lord today. Don't let what's happening around you, whether it's, you know, all this stuff with the virus and uh, the mandates and all the things, or if you've got something going on in your personal life. I mean, this woman had her husband leave her and now he's traipsing all over Europe with another woman. That's not okay. But we have an opportunity to choose to respond to things in faith and not let that root of bitterness uh, creep into our hearts. So I'm going to encourage you that way today. You guys, again, that was Reflecting God. It's Kay Smith's book. Fantastic book. I will link back to it in the show notes today. I think it's probably one of those books that was written years ago, but that God is really going to use right now. All right, you guys know that it's Wednesday. I always like to answer one of your questions and tell you an off the bench story. So this one came from Waco and it was anonymous. You guys know that you can turn in anonymous off the bench stories for me, right? You can go to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash mailbox Monday, fill out the form. I want to hear what's going on with you. So anonymous in Waco, Texas said, Heidi, last year during the height of the pandemic, we started a homeschool group in order to help families get out of public school. This year, it turned into a full-fledged pod school slash resource center. We're continuing to enable and encourage moms how to homeschool and provide options, classes, and resources that they would not have otherwise. We went from focusing on music and just our family to focusing on the community, and it's been a blessing to watch so many brand new homeschool families stand up for their children and seeing the toxicity that's in the public school. Why did you leave that anonymous, anonymous? That's a great story. I want to share your name. Anyway, I think it's fantastic. Listen to you guys getting off the bench and onto the battlefield. And I think one of the most important things about these stories as they keep coming in, I've got another one tomorrow you guys are going to love from a, a listener in Lafayette, Indiana. But it's so awesome to me just to watch what God does when we choose to step out and do something that scares us in obedience to the Lord, because uh, the Lord wants to use you. And this is an awesome time to do that. So uh, I'm excited to hear you guys keep those stories coming. I want to continue to hear them. All right. So this was an interesting um, comment that came in and I wanted to read it to you just so you guys kind of get an, well, you'll see what I mean. All right. You had a mailbox Monday question from another woman. I'm not going to call her a liar directly, but she misled your listeners, likely out of her own fear of a situation she finds herself in with her husband's career, which is understandable. My husband is in a position in which he is particularly familiar with a protocol for dealing with vaccination refusal in the military. The woman's husband will not be given a dishonorable discharge. It will most likely be an honorable or a general discharge. The last dishonorable discharge that I know of was a man responsible for the Fort Hood shooting. Even child molesters get other than honorable discharges. He might be discharged, but he won't, it won't be a future destroying dishonorable discharge. So uh, anyway, I don't know if this woman who sent that in did that on purpose. So I actually don't think that this is what happened. I think sometimes we get uh, we get mixed messages. There's a lot of fear out there, but I appreciate this being corrected. And hopefully, a lot of you I know because I've, I'm looking at the I'm looking at your letters right now. A lot of you in the military right now very very frustrated. And uh, hopefully, this will help set some of your minds to ease. Although being discharged for not taking an experimental vaccine, I still think it's garbage. But uh, I do agree. We don't want to call it a dishonorable discharge if that's not what it is. So I wanted to th say thank you to that. And uh, hopefully that will encourage somebody. A listener in Chesapeake wrote in and said, if Biden's mandate stands, 
And if McAuliffe wins Virginia, my husband and I will both lose our jobs likely because we will not get the vaccine. It seems like the perfect time to relocate to a more conservative Christian state or at least look for new jobs in other states. What are your thoughts on strategic relocation versus remaining in a state that continues in directions that go against our belief? If you had to relocate, where would you go? Uh, heaven. <laughs> I want to I want to go to heaven. Here's here's my thing you guys. Uh, Ronald Reagan was right when he said that the United States was the last best hope on earth. And while I live under the tyrannical dictates of a tyrannical governor here in Washington state, I want to encourage you guys again, like I always do, that all politics is local. You've got to understand what's happening in your local elections, work to change things at the local level. We're, we're so focused, aren't we, on the federal level and presidential elections, and they do matter. And obviously, these are these are big deals. But if you want to see your life change where you are, get involved in your local leadership and running for city council, getting on, uh, on your school boards and on your library boards. These are the things that will directly affect your quality of life. For example, did you know that the sheriff has incredible authority not to enforce or to enforce uh, a mandate that comes down from the governor? It's true. And I think we don't think about those things often, but we need to. So in in terms of moving, um, I'd be lying to you if I said I wasn't thinking about it. Uh, and hadn't thought about it in recent months, especially. But my husband and I, in talking about where God has us, and this is, you know, and this is not a thus saith the Lord. So everybody has to make their own decision. There are dozens and dozens and even hundreds of families fleeing states like Washington state and fleeing states uh, like Massachusetts. I mean, we hear about these, you know, and Virginia, for goodness sake. I mean, you guys are suffering. Uh, what's that guy's name? I can't remember. Nor, nor something. See, he's unforgettable. I don't even like the guy. So here's what I think. A lot of you talked about going to Florida and I just, I'm going to put this in perspective for you. So I love uh, Governor Ron DeSantis. He's doing an awesome job for Floridians. But I want you guys to understand he won that election by a sliver of a margin against a totally radical far left opponent. So that gives you a little bit of an idea where politics are at right now in the state of Florida. There's all kinds of wonky stuff going on in Texas. So even though we think, well, we could go to Florida or we could go to Texas, I want to tell you that if we don't stand and establish a beachhead where we are right now, what is happening in uh, on on both coasts, right, the East Coast and the West Coast, this is spreading to the heartland. It will be in Florida. It will be in Texas. And unless the Lord directly says, this is what I want you to do, and this is where you're supposed to go, stay and fight for the place that you are. You know, one of the things that my family considered in my run for Congress was whether or not we were willing to uproot our whole family and move to a place that wasn't our home and try to relocate and reestablish friendships and churches and all the things. But here's the thing, you guys, let's say that we pick up our family, we move to Texas and four years from now, Texas turns into Washington state. And now I've left the place I live. I'm living with scorpions the size of my face and I've left my root system and the homeschool resource center only to find myself in the same place that I was before politically. And so I don't believe that there will be any place if this continues. I do not believe there will be any place that is safe in the United States, because we're seeing what happens when we have wicked people in power. This is what the Bible talks about, right? When the evil people are in power, the people suffer. They groan. That's what the psalmist David said. But when the righteous are in power, the people rejoice. And we've got to work. And this is very hard. We're not used to this. 
we're not used to it in Western civilization. I know a lot of you listening from uh, from Great Britain right now and around the United States, and we're not used to this stuff. We are used to at least having sort of some faith in our um, in our voting system and faith in our leaders, and I think that has been shattered. At least for me, it has been uh, in the past seventeen months for sure. We're learning some hard lessons, and uh, I think we need to stay. I mean, obviously you guys do what the Lord asks you to do, but I don't think our first instinct should be to run. I never see this in the Bible. The, the first instinct should never be to run. The first instinct should be, and I'm, ta- I'm preaching to myself right now. You guys can just turn this off and I'll just talk to myself. I think the first instinct rather than run should be getting on our knees and saying, Lord, help. I need your help. We need your help. Let me, let me, I'm going to close today by just giving you a quick story. So uh, last night I had a little birthday party for my grandson at my house and you know, I've been going through my own, my own set of, of stuff, uh, in, in my life. Like I know you guys all are. And, uh, and the kids wanted to make sugar cookies. So a lot of things happened in the morning, kept me from doing the thing that I said I would do. They came over in the afternoon I didn't have butter, had to go to the store to get the butter, get home. Now I have to make soup for the family. So I'm making, by the way, oh my word, I'll link back to it. The best stew you've ever had is called drunken Irish stew. You don't want to put the beer in it. You don't have to, but man, that's good stuff. So I'm making drunken Irish stew and here comes my little eight-year-old grandson. And he's like, Mamsie, you said that we could make, uh, that we would make cookies today. Well, these are sugar cookies. Like he wants to decorate them, roll them out. I'm I am envisioning this like sugar cookie extravaganza and it makes my head want to explode. And here's this little boy looking at me and saying, Mamsie, you promised, which he's, he was right. I did. And I'm feeling overwhelmed. Have you guys ever been this way? You just feel like you're failing everything, failing my family. I'm failing the homeschool resource center. It's just the devil, right? Who, the Bible says he comes to kill and steal and destroy. So no went running off to play with a dog in the other room. And I literally said out loud, Lord, please help me figure out how I can make sugar cookies with this little guy without losing my mind. And Savannah came over just about an hour and a half later after we'd had dinner and we just determined we were going to, we were going to cut off a chunk of that dough and just roll out enough for five cookies. So I went out into the garage and I found my sugar, my sugar cookie, um, my cookie, my cookie cutters. And there happened to be some sprinkles left over from last year. So I grab all this stuff out of the garage, two cookie cutters and a jar of sprinkles. And actually, let's be honest, I got some Christmas sprinkles too because they were sparkling. I thought that kind of looks like a leaf. Brought them into Noah and Wesley and Sailor. And all we did was just roll out each one of them. We rolled out one cookie for the kids and they got to put the sprinkles on it and we put it in the oven. You guys, it was, it, the Lord helped us because that was every bit as meaningful to those kids as if I had set up the usual extravaganza. This is what was making me feel so guilty. I just felt like I had to do the whole thing. And you don't have to do the whole thing. So they each got one cookie. They stood and watched it bake in the oven. And when they got in the car that uh, last night, Noah looked at me and he said, Mamsie, I love you 13,100%. I love coming to your house. That was the best news I got all day. And I, and rather than, you know, go into this whole, I'm failing everybody and my life is stupid. No, you know, I'm doing everything wrong. I literally was just like, Lord, please help me in this situation. Something as simple as making cookies with my grandson. And the Lord helped me and he wants to help you. And I think we forget that. So our first instinct, you know, when we feel the pressure in Washington State or we see the insanity that's happening that's coming down on us right now, maybe our first instinct is to run. I would love to see our first instinct be to say, Lord, help me. If he cares about me making sugar cookies with my grandson, surely he cares about whether or not we should move, 
what does he want us to do? How does he want us to respond to the, to the trials that are really in our lives right now that are causing so much angst and so much grief? The Lord cares and he wants to talk to you. So I hope that was helpful for you guys. I am out of time for today. We'll come back tomorrow, answer a couple more of your questions, share another off the bench story. Want to thank you guys so much for uh, your monthly giving to support this ministry. And you can get involved in helping us stay on the air by going to HeidiStJohn.com forward slash podcast. And I will link back to that in the show notes today. Have a great day, everybody. And I will see you back here tomorrow at the intersection of faith and culture. For more encouragement, visit me online at momstronginternational.com.